you. Good morning, church. It is wonderful to be with you. My name is Dean. If you are just joining us today, as always, I, I just want to welcome you to be here. I always say, look, we're not a perfect church. We don't have it all together. Uh, but this is a church where there is a unique passion and love for Jesus. And you can sense the Spirit of God working in this place. So welcome. We encourage you to, to join us, to hang out, get to know some people, connect. Either our Bible classes, our life groups, uh, many different ways we're trying to serve God in this place. I want to begin just by reading the text that we're going to be in today. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 6. It's kind of a longer section here, but I wanted to kind of go back into, we're focusing more on kind of verse 10 in that area, but I want to get the, the full context of what's going on here. So let's hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. This mystery of Christ he's been talking about, this mystery of Christ is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of the one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as the psalmist prayed so long ago, I pray again today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever felt bullied in your life before? Have <laughs> you ever felt bullied? Maybe it's by a person, maybe it's by a circumstance, maybe it's just by uh, the circumstances, the environment you find yourself in. Have you ever found yourself bullied in that weary feeling, that powerless feeling that comes? I think it was probably four years ago I had a chance to, to speak with uh, the students in Yaf, I think it was at summer camp, and I shared the story that I'll share with you. It was a moment of fear. It was really a season of fear in my life. I, it was the beginning of middle school for me, and I remember we'll, we'll call him Mark. That's not his name, but, but Mark, I still can picture him today. He always had this burnt-out denim jean jacket that he would wear, and he just wanted to inflict his anger and his pain on anybody who was around, and for some reason he turned it to me. And I remember whether I was in gym or whether I was in the hallway, he loved to kind of sneak up and shove my head into the locker. Have you ever been bullied before? Have you ever experienced what that's like? There is this feeling of powerlessness. There is this feeling of weakness. I felt all of that. And there's almost a sense of just being weary. It's not just the physical part of it, the emotional, mental part of being bullied. It wears you out, does it not? still remember the summer after that school year, I went and took Taekwondo. <laughs> you 
Not that I learned a whole bunch, but it, something changed in me in such a way I was a different person when I went back to school and I still remember sitting down on the curb, the bus is pulling up and Mark came and sat down next to me and I just looked at him and I said, not this year. He kind of looked strangely, didn't do anything at that moment, but I'll never forget the day in English class he came in and he started some of the stuff he would start. And I grabbed that old denim jacket and I shoved him over the desk and I'm looking him in the eye and I said, not this year. Now, here's what's funny. If he did anything, I don't know if I learned anything that would have worked. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that I learned some physical technique, but here's what happened that summer. I got a vision of confidence and hope that enabled me to stand up and face the bully in ways that I haven't before. Have you ever felt bullied? Paul is writing the passage that we just read to a church and in a situation in his own life where he's bullied and they are bullied not by a person but by the entire world. Have you ever felt bullied not by a person but just it feels like kind of the universe is against you? Have you ever been in seasons like that? Or it feels like there's just one thing after another and you, you just are tired and you're worn out and you're discouraged and you think whatever it is that is bullying you on the outside will never quite get through it. Have you ever felt that way before? You're not alone. Because Paul writes this text to cast a vision of hope and confidence to a church that was feeling bullied by the world and his own life. Just one example of this, we didn't read this part of the text, but if you see, if you look back to verse 1 of this very same chapter, this is how it starts. I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. Paul's literally bullied by the forces of the world there. They're, they threw him in jail. They've imprisoned him for do nothing more than telling the world the liberating story of the gospel of Jesus. He's bullied by the forces in that world. And then look down at verse 13. It says... Don't be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. Sometimes the world bullies you, does it not? Not when you are uh, facing pain and struggle and discouragement, but someone you care about and you love are. And that can wear you out too, does it not? This is a church and a guy writing to the church that is facing being bullied by the world. What is the word of God for a time like that? Paul says, I want to give you a vision of confidence and hope that will allow you to stand up in the face of the bullies that surround us in the world in which we find ourselves. And here's the beautiful thing that happens right at the beginning of the text. What Paul announces, and he's excited that he gets to announce it, because it's as if all of human history has been building up to this moment of the announcement. What he says is God is disarming the cosmic bullies of the world. God is disarming the bullies of the cosmic universe that we find ourselves in. Paul is painting the picture very, very broadly here. Again, think about this, the chaos and the pain and the forces of struggle and division and all of that. Paul says sometimes it seems like those forces out there are winning. He calls them the rulers and the authorities. It feels like they're winning, but he says, listen, you've got to hear this. Actually, the opposite is true. They're trying to tear everything apart, and he says God is putting everything back together. We may not be able to see it all the time, but that's what he says. In fact, he uses this word several times here and throughout his writings. He said, I'm so excited because the word now in the text, now I get to tell a secret. I get to declare the mystery of God's cosmic disarming of the bullies in the world. I get to tell this. It's been building up to this moment, but I get to tell it now. 
Now, I want you to think about this word mystery. There's all sorts of things to unpack in it. I just want to zero in on one piece of it. This mystery and this secret that he gets to tell, he talks about it very, very narrowly in a focus, kind of a, a rifle shot here. And then earlier in the book, it's a big picture, shotgun view of what God is doing in the world. In verse 6 we started, he said, here's the mystery. Jew and Gentile, folks that wouldn't even sit down at the same table together, are coming together in Christ. He said, here's the mystery. And people seem to forget it. It was planted there in Genesis chapter 12, but, but we, we missed it. And somehow we missed the fact that Jew and Gentile, these things that couldn't get along anywhere else, are coming together in the church of Jesus Christ. That's the specific but if you look back in the beginning of the book, this is the powerful declaration. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse 9. I think we might even have that scripture. Here's the big picture of, his, of the mystery that he's talking about. And notice the big picture is always true. And then in local churches and local settings, you'll see this manifest itself in different ways. This is what he said. God has made known to us the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ. What is the mystery of your purpose in Jesus? Listen to this. To bring unity, not just to Jew and Gentile, not just the different cultures and situations, not just the different giftedness. Listen to this. God's mystery is that he, in Christ, he's going to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. Hear me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is announcing to the world the secret that when everything looks like it's falling apart, God is actually doing the opposite. He's bringing the universe together, not to just, just two different groups. It's all coming together in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to get too deep here, but we have to have a sense of what he's talking about when he uses these words here and elsewhere, especially in Ephesians. And in Colossians, when he talks about rulers and authorities, he's not just talking about prime ministers and presidents. He's talking about cosmic rulers and authorities. By the way, he's not just talking about, he certainly is, but he's not just talking about demons and devils and angels and all of that. In Colossians, he talks a little bit more about this, but the, the, uh, the principalities and the powers of the world, all, all of that is saying that we know this. You don't even have to believe in God to know this. You can almost feel it. There are forces and influences in the world whose sole purpose is to tear everything apart. There are rulers and authorities, Paul says. There are forces, influences, structures, principles in the world. Some of them are unseen entities. Some of them are just the structures of life that God created for good, but have been distorted by the evil one. There are forces in the world that are trying to tear you apart and everything in the world in it apart as well. There are cosmic bullies out there. And he announces at the beginning of the book, and then he drills down specifically for what it looks like in their church to say, but hold on, not this year, not this season, not now, Paul says, because God is disarming the cosmic bullies. He says it even more clearly in Colossians. I have the beginning of that verse. I'll read all of it. In Colossians 2.15, he says, listen to this language. God has disarmed the powers and authorities. God has disarmed the powers and and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Hear me. The gospel of Jesus is so much bigger than just we get to go to heaven when we die. Can we let the world in on it? It's so much bigger than that little thing that we get to go one day, we escape this place. No, hold on. God is cosmically disarming forces in the world that are tearing your family apart and relationships apart and churches apart and communities apart and worlds apart and bodies apart. He's putting it all back together in Jesus. That's a glorious gospel, is it not? 
He's disarming the bully. Think about this. What is broken in your world and in your life? What's tearing up? What does it feel like that's being torn away from you? What is wearing you out? What is overcoming you? Hear the announcement. God has disarmed the powers. Now, we don't see it all manifest yet. God is working out the resurrection power of Jesus day in and day out. But this is the announcement on the cross he won. Not now, God says. The bully goes down here. It's a simple image, but I think about one time, I think it was probably four years, maybe five years ago, I was working full-time as a chaplain for the sheriff's office. Now I still just volunteered there. But got a call um, from a, a young lady who said, I, wish, I would like you to go and visit my husband. He just got arrested. He's in jail. And, and beware of these words. She said, he's a sweet man. <laughs> he's really a sweet man. He just got off his meds, and he'd had a bad day, and he was arrested. Okay. So I came in and I sat down, as, as I often do, and I'll sit then in the roll call and they're doing the kind of the briefing and all of that in the jail and they're going through different inmate issues as they're changing shifts. And they started talking about some guy and they talked about this huge guy, 6'5", almost 280 pounds. It took three of them to detain him, <laughs> taser, three uh, deputies and all that stuff and put him in solitary. And sure enough, when they said the name, <laughs> can you guess who it is? The guy I was there to go visit and minister to. <laughs> and, and I remember I told them uh, every time I just sit in the room, they would always kind of go around the room and everybody would check in and they would say chaplain, preacher, sometimes they call me rabbi and they say, <laughs> do you have anything for us? And I, pretty much all the time I would just say, I'm here for you, I'm here for you. Well, this time I leveraged that because I said, you, you know what I usually say, I usually say I'm here for you, but just so you know, I got a call to go and visit the guy you've been talking about the last 10 minutes, so I would appreciate if you would be here for me. <laughs> we walked back and got a chance to pray over him and minister to him. He was in solitary and it was just an intense moment. But here's the thing. When I walked down that hallway, I was not afraid at all. You know why? It's not because I took Taekwondo, trust me. <laughs> not because I could take this guy down. It's because the men and women that I had the opportunity to serve with all that time are all surrounding me, and I knew they had already detained him, they had already disarmed him, they had already taken care of the situation. I didn't have to worry about it. And the God of the universe tells a discouraged world, hear me, you may not see it in the moment, but I've disarmed every power that will destroy your life. I've taken them down. Not now, God says. God has disarmed the cosmic powers of the world and the cosmic bullies of our lives. But Paul goes on to say something that's absolutely staggering to me. He said, God isn't just disarming. He is also displaying his cosmic wonder to the whole universe. He's displaying his cosmic wonder. Paul says wisdom. Don't think of just like rules for life. That's actually a person most of the time in Scripture. The wisdom and power of God is a man named Jesus and then worked out. Paul's talking here about the same thing he's talking about when he says mystery and plan and purpose. God is displaying his cosmic purpose and power and wisdom and wonder to the entire world. And he's doing it in a really surprising way. Did you catch this? Do you know how God, how God is choosing to display his wonder to the world? Did you catch it? Put the verse up and, and take this one in deeply. If you, if you grab anything, take in this verse. Verse 10. God's purpose in all of this 
was that now, hear these words, through the church to display the wisdom of God in all its rich variety. You might say the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God in all its rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. How is he displaying his wonder? How is he telling his story? How is he doing this? Through you. And if you're like me and them, from time to time, yeah, we kind of hear that, but if you really let that sink in, don't you want to say, really? (laughs) Are you surprised that you are the display of the power and the wonder of God to the world? Are you surprised? Paul was, not just here, time and time again. Go read his letters. He can't brag about God without dropping a little line, a little jaw-dropping moment in there like, me, God? (laughs) He says here, I'm the least of all the people of God, and yet I get to share this. (laughs) I'm the least of all the people of God. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, slightly different way, I'm the least of all the apostles, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And in 1 Timothy, he says it this way, I'm the chief of sinners. And God says, yep, all that may be true, but here's the thing, I'm going to use you to tell a cosmic story of mercy to the world. I'm going to use you. Are you surprised that God says that about you? Are you surprised? Well, join the crowd, because the Gentiles are probably shocked too. It's one of the major reasons he's writing this book. Because for centuries, people thought that the real religious folks, certainly the religious folks thought this, the real religious folks were the Jewish people in Israel, and certainly they had the promises and and the heritage and and the presence of God and all of that and there was the in crowd and there was the out crowd but Paul is called as a missionary to the Gentiles to say what is the mystery God's putting everything back together verse 6 God's putting you all together so the Gentiles you get into yes those pagans he calls them foreigners he calls them strangers they're called outsiders they're called nobodies well the nobodies get into the people of God too are you surprised that God is using you to display his wonder? Well, join the crowd because the Gentiles were too. Again and again, God says, I'm going to use you now to tell the cosmic story of unity and inclusion in this text. Here's the other thing that surprises me about this little part of the story. First of all, who it is that God is using to display his wonder, but did you also notice the audience? Usually we think about, okay, we're telling like non-believers and non-Christians, and we're inviting the world to see that. Did you notice he says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, the, the wisdom and the wonder of God in all of its kaleidoscopic glory is being displayed to whom? Did you catch it? To the bullies, to the rulers and the authorities unseen in the heavenly realms. Did you know God is using you, that's surprising enough, and me, that's surprising enough, but he's using us to preach the most powerful sermon that's ever been preached. The most powerful sermon will never happen right here. It happens right here. And the audience isn't just a group of people sitting in the room. Do you realize the cosmic bullies in their denim jackets are standing up and saying, oh my goodness, do you see what God is doing through his church? The cosmic wonder of God is on display through the people of God to the very unseen cosmic bullies of the world. Isn't that staggering? 
Here, here's what I love. Paul says, it's not even necessarily what you say, that's part of it. But listen to this. When the church just acts like the church, he said something's going on in a cosmic realm you can't even see. Take this in for a moment. Please take this in. When the church just is being in the church, in all of its brokenness, but following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, things are happening not just here, but in the unseen world we can't even fathom. There's a message that is being declared. There is a display of the wonder of God that's being seen by entities and forces and powers you can't see. In other words, God is saying to the cosmic universe, not now. <laughs> My power wins out, and I'm putting you down. And he's doing that through you. Is this not staggering? By your very existence... God is telling the cosmic forces in the world, your day is done. I, I jotted this down. I was just thinking about it. I just wanted to get, get these words right. Do you realize every act of faith that you do has cosmic significance? Every simple act of faith you do. Every little selfless act of love you do has cosmic significance in a way that you cannot see. Every small movement of unity, when everybody else is pushing people away, shoving people off, isolating and attacking, every small step of unity you take is making a cosmic significance in the world. Every time you're willing to use your gift and your passion and your ability to lean into the work of God, you're making a cosmic dent in the universe. Do you see that? God says, my goodness! <laughs> Do you realize what a gift that you are, not because of you, but for the one who lives in you? I've seen that happen this week. I, uh, I told Mike, I'm sorry, I, I, I rewrote the end of this sermon. I had one ending. Maybe I'll give a chance to talk about that one sometime too. But um, I saw the church being the church this week. Because the church came together and prayed and fasted over someone that we loved. Our own Mike Webb, you know, has been battling after a motorcycle accident. And just really days ago, honestly, Mike, wasn't it? We were staying upstairs and we're talking, we're praying, and honestly, I'm crying. <laughs> because what Mike, I don't know all the medical details, but what Mike basically said is, I'm going in for a scan on Wednesday and the bones aren't growing back. And we'll just say, if that wasn't the case, if that continued to be the case, the outcome would not be great, right? Discouragement, seemed no hope. What did you tell me? Zero growth, right? Zero growth days before going into the scan on Wednesday. And so people got together in this church. This church came together and fasted and prayed for the outcome for Mike Webb when Wednesday happened. I told Mike I couldn't even text to you because I'm crying so much. I, I garbled text. I apologize. I have no idea what came across the first text. Because Mike sent out this announcement that the growth, he saw it, it's growing, it's coming back, and there is hope right now in his body. We praise God for that, right? But I promise, Mike, this is not about Mike. This is about the wonder of our God on display. Because here's what was so beautiful to me. We literally have the man who wrote the book on prayer and fasting in the room, right? 
And, and so, so Albert, you've done that for years, and we've had people that have practiced that for years, but you know, this is just one small part of it. But you know what just absolutely captured my heart? A dear friend of mine said this week, she'd never fasted before. And the first time she ever fasted, Mike, was to pray for you and to join with the Church of Jesus Christ to stand up against the bully. It's not just about you, and we celebrate this, but here's the thing. God said this time, not now. You're not going to bully him anymore. I'm going to take care of my son. And yes, I know sometimes the answer is no, but we have moments like this so that we can see the truth of what Paul said all the way back in first chapter. God's winning. He's putting the whole universe back together not just a body. And staggering truth here is that he's inviting you and me and the body of Jesus Christ to be the mirror that displays the wonder of God to the world. My goodness! Do you realize what a gift you are? Just by being you. Our glorious Father God, the praise and the glory and the honor is you because we know what you did for Mike's bones, you have done for our entire being. And you did on that day when you rose Jesus from the dead and you would decisively show the entire world one day, you're putting it all back together. So we pray, as Paul said, not to be discouraged, but to live in freedom and confidence that you are changing this world. Ask your blessing on us in the name of Jesus. Amen.